that fun? Okay, let's do this microphone here then, shall we? Bit of this crackly mic. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, it's good to see you this day, this, uh, this Sunday. And uh, I've been put to the test, haven't I? So uh, let's give it a go. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Well done, Andy. (laughs) Genius. You've taught us all. That's terrific. We can't we even remember all the presents we're supposed to have had as well. Well, some, you know, this Christmas time, we, we, we get lots of different stories, don't we? We get the telling of lots of different fairy tales. It's a time for pantomimes. And one of the favorite pantomime stories is the story of Cinderella. The story of this girl who was sort of sweeping the cinders. And yet uh, some amazing magical events happen. And it's, it's a story really of uh, how she turns into the beautiful princess. It's a story really of uh, rags to riches. Now what I want to say to everyone here today, um, children, adults, is that actually we won't understand Christmas until we understand that the real events of Christmas are first of all an event of how um, uh, it's a story of, of, of riches to rags. That's what this verse tells us in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. Uh, we're going to put it up on the screen again, hopefully. I can't see the screen here. There we are. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through his, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. You see, we'll not understand Christmas until we understand this, that he became poor. It's a story of riches to rags. It, this verse tells us something very profound about Jesus. It tells us that he was living before he was born. Now that's not true of anyone else here. We, we don't have any memories of life before we were conceived. Um, I don't think any of us do. I don't. Uh, I remember when uh, we were showing some family photos uh, of our time in Australia. Uh, and uh, little Thomas, who's our youngest, who was born in America... Um, he, he, he kept looking at the pictures and saying, where, where, where am I, Dad? Why am I not in the picture? And we had to say, well, son, there was a time before you existed. This, this is life before you were even thought of. And, uh, and yet this verse tells us that before Jesus was born, he did exist as God the Son. And what was life like? For God, the Son, before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. Well, this verse tells us he was rich. He was rich. Now, it's hard for us to get our heads around how rich he was. Uh, Do you know who owns the most valuable land in Britain? I've looked it up. It is the Duke of... Correct, Duke of Westminster... Uh, because he not only owns the, the Grosvenor Estate, but also Belgravia and Mayfair. And if you played Monopoly, you know that that's a pretty good one to have. And it, it, it is estimated that he's worth more than £6.2 billion. But he doesn't own the most land, just the priciest. He's actually number four on the list of, of land ownership. The top private landowner in Europe is the Duke of Buccleuch and Queensbury, a Scot. 
who controls 240,000 acres of rural land in England and Scotland and apparently lives in Drumlandrig Castle in Dumfries. Number two is a Scot, the Duke of Athol, who owns 145,700 acres, followed quite poorly, really, in third place by Prince Charles, who, who as a Duke of Cornwall, owns a mere 133,000. Well, that's all according to uh, the Daily Mail. But, of course, all these people are just temporary stewards of this land and property. The owner is actually the one who created Scotland and Europe and the planet Earth and the Milky Way galaxy and the whole universe. As Colossians 1 puts it this way uh, about Jesus, all things were created by him and for him. Now however you understand sort of the wealth of ownership, uh, the one through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made, well the Lord Jesus is extremely rich, was extremely rich. But of course real wealth is not uh, about so much what you possess or the power you have. It, you can be wealthy and absolutely miserable. Uh, real wealth is about having great relationships. Uh, giving love, receiving love, being at peace, full of joy with others. And that was part of the wealth of God the Son. In his very essence and nature, before the creation of the world, he was co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Existing in joyful contentment uh, in that perfect relationships within the Trinity. In every way, he was rich. Now, what would you do with such wealth? I don't know whether you've ever played uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at Home, just on your own, and just see how much you could get. I once made it to 64,000 pounds before I lost my lifelines. Um, what would you do if you actually got the one million payout? What would you do with one million pounds? What would you do with 30 million pounds? Uh, Sir Elton John once spent 30 million in just two years. Uh, in his lavish lifestyle, uh, he spent, on average, 1.5 million a month over this two-year period. He spent more than 9.6 million on property. And he spent 293,000 pounds on flowers. In one day alone, he set the tills ringing to the tune of £527,859. And uh, this is his quote. I have no one to leave the money to. I'm a single man. I like spending my money. What did Jesus do with his wealth? Well, the incredible story of Christmas is that though he was rich, he chose to become poor. Where did the shepherds find the baby? Where do they find the baby? In a manger. We're just singing about it. Um, in a feeding trough. He became a refugee in Egypt uh, to avoid the murderous Herod. He owned no land or house. But his poverty was not just about economics. His poverty was that though he was equal with God, he made himself nothing. He humbled himself to become fully human. He set aside the privileges of being uh, divine and, and poured himself into the human form of Jesus, the Son. And, and instead of living for himself and pleasing himself, he lived an obedient life and then lived a selfless, obedient death and even the worst of deaths of crucifixion. Now, why did he do that? 
Why did he come that first Christmas in order as a man to die and rise at Easter? Why did he do that? Well, this verse tells us it was for our sakes. It was for our sakes he became poor. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He did it for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. This Christmas story is about Jesus, but it's also about us. It's a story uh, not only of, of riches to rags, but it is also a story of rags to riches. Why did he do that? So that you might become rich. Now materially, many of us are, are blessed here in Scotland. But in terms of our relationships, we do experience poverty. And it can be at Christmas that our relational poverty really can get shown up. But we're especially a relationally poor when it comes to our relationship with God himself. On our own, we're not right with God. Uh, if we think of God, he can seem distant to us. Uh, not close at all. That perfect relationship that Jesus had uh, with the Father is not our natural experience at all. Our poverty is a spiritual one. We have made ourselves distant and aloof from God, willfully by disobedience and by disregard. And that's why the rest of our relationships can experience impoverishment and why our relationships can struggle. It is because of our spiritual poverty and our separation from God. And yet the Christmas story is just such great news for people whose spirits are impoverished because we, through Jesus' poverty, might become rich. We can get right with God. We can uh, know that our past is forgiven. Our broken relationship with God can be fixed. God can put, be put back at the center of our lives. Where he is at the center, we can start putting other relationships in place. He made himself poor so that we might become rich. He even, as those who put their trust in Jesus, are brought into his family. We become heirs with Christ of all the spiritual blessings that we can enjoy. So that we might become rich towards God. It is a tremendous story. Uh, no fairy tale could compete with this true story. An incredibly costly thing to do. A cost not merely of just becoming human and of experiencing ridicule and pain and suffering and persecution, but also the, the, the agony of death upon a cross. But more than that, it was the cost of Jesus taking all our badness in exchange for all his goodness, of experiencing God's wrath and judgment in our place. He took our punishment to make us right with God. That was the cost involved the first Christmas, so that we might become rich. And you see, the compassion of Christmas is this, that Jesus had compassion on us. That's how the verse begins. For you know the great generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the word grace means. Next slide. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The great generosity. From the highest heaven he descended to the to the cross at Calvary in the grave. None was richer than him. None became poorer than him. And he did it all for our sake. So how do you know that you've got the great generosity of Jesus? How do you know that you're building your life on 
this grace? Well, there's two things that would help us know whether we've really got this grace. Two very practical things. Firstly, we will thank God for Jesus. It'll be great thankfulness that will mark our life. Once we understand the grace of the Lord Jesus, we'll be filled with great thankfulness. If you read on in in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, on to chapter 9 and verse 15, it says this, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How do you describe an indescribable gift? It's kind of tricky, isn't it? So he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Do you know what? Eternity will be full of the praises of God's people because we're going to be trying to find fresh ways to describe and delight in the indescribable gift of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's why when we get together as Christians, we do like to sing songs of praise and delight. Actually, that's why Christians tend to be a bit more joyful. Because we've always got reasons to delight in the indescribable gift. And second reason that we know that we've, we've, we've got our life built on this grace is that we'll, we'll be marked by generosity. We'll be generous to others. In this section, uh, Paul uses this one verse to really motivate the church in Corinth to give of their money to be a blessing to other people. And he uses the gospel to apply this practical area of giving. When we really get the gospel, we're going to be a generous people. Generous with our lives, uh, with our time, generous with our monies. You see, if we understand the compassion of Christmas, the grace that God has had on us, it's going to turn us outward to be generous giving people. There's a legend that dates back to the, uh, the 4th century in Turkey. And uh, there was a bishop, an old man, and one Christmas he wanted to show uh, very much his gratitude to God for the gift of Jesus. So he went into the slum areas, carrying a heavy sack on his back, and uh, he knocked on the door uh, of one of the little mud houses there and was greeted by the dirty faces of three juvenile faces and he took off his pack and gave these children a warm woolen robe each and then disappeared back to his home and the bishop was Nicholas of Myra and the legend of St. Nicholas is thought to be now heavily commercialized by Coca-Cola and others to be Santa Claus but it's a beautiful lesson to teach isn't it he knew the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet He became poor so that once we understand this grace, we might, as rich people, give generously to others. Should we give that memory verse one more shot together? Let's let's take it off the screen just to really give it a go. What a great verse to remember for Christmas and for the rest of the year. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let's pray, shall we? Good, I'm glad you remembered that. How good it is. Well, I tell you, you've got...